Hi there. Welcome to Did I Talk Too Much, a Grit podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Did I Talk Too Much? I'm Jenna, your host, and I'm joined today in the studio with two very special guests. We have Lisa. Say hey, Lisa. Hi. Lisa, who are you? Oh, yes. My name is Lisa Igram, and I work at Biola. I'm the Dean of Student Wellness, and I get to teach classes, too. Right now, I'm teaching BBST 103, Bib and Terp. Love it. On Friday afternoons. We're also joined here today with Parker. Hello. Parker is my husband. Yes. <laughs> and he is here because he loves movies. And we thought, why not have our certified film critic expert connoisseur here today? Yes. I am by no means certified, but I am a self-proclaimed film critic. Yes. I guess critic is, is a lot. But I also graduated from Biola in 2023. I majored in Bible theology and ministry, and I do love movies. So looking forward to chatting today. Yes. Fun. We're diving in to the movie of the summer today, Barbie. So whether you've seen the movie or not, I think you should tune in to today's episode and then you need to go watch it immediately because it's so good. And I love it. Also, isn't there like a new... Can you talk about what's getting released today? Yeah, I think it's this weekend. There is an extended cut. No uh, way. An IMAX screening. IMAX is is, is doing um, a, a release and there's six minutes, I believe, of new footage. I'm not sure if it's footage throughout the film or if mm. it's like deleted scene. scenes. I don't know what the, maybe it's a dance sequence. I don't know, but I would I'd be love curious. to see another dance. Sequence. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Literally it Those plays, it plays my own constantly. Like the Dua Lipa one, mm -hmm. like where they're at the beginning and they're like in all their like little disco. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I Saturday love it. night fever. Mm -hmm. Literally. <laughs> that's like how I feel when I'm dancing to it in the car, but yes. I know that that's not um, what I, what I look like. So, <laughs> okay. Let's see. So, Lisa, do you want to start us off with, we wanted to explore it today because there's been a lot of different opinions Absolutely. about the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So that's worth, that's worth talking about because um, the movie explores ideas of flipping the script around themes of things like feminism and patriarchy. And those words can be, depending on kind of your social location, how you grew up, what kind of church you went to, um, the kinds of things that you're reading and thinking about, those words might be either interesting to explore or really kind of scary or frightening. Um, and really, the movie does play with these ideas by abstracting them and pushing them to their most extreme ends. Um, and so even though the, these might be like scary terms um, and ones that we may or may not agree with, we're hoping to keep kind of this nuanced conversation about what's happening and what Christians through common grace might be able to talk about and think about and understand um, through the movie. So I understand that it's a little bit polarizing and I think that's okay because it's good to talk about challenging topics together in ways that um, are honoring to the Lord and explore what it is that the spirit might be doing in the midst of these conversations. Yes. Totally. Sure. So Parker, do you want to give a quick summary for people maybe who haven't seen the movie or people who have seen it and at the end they were like, wow, that was a lot. <laughs> sure. The movie opens in Barbie land and the Barbies, all the Barbies live perfectly with 
the Kens. We focus in on one Barbie, played by Margot Robbie, and one Ken, played by Ryan Gosling. All of the Barbies together run the community. They are the government leaders, the pilots, the astronauts, etc. And the Kens operate kind of as the arm candy, Ryan Gosling's Ken. Uh, his job is just beach, uh, not, <laughs> not lifeguard, not, you know, beach patrol, just <laughs> beach. Um, and so even from the setup of the movie, we're kind of already flipping the script of what uh, who is traditionally in charge in society. Yeah, for sure. So we see Barbie um, as head of the Supreme Court, as president, making financial decisions. Um, even the you know the the doctors who are caring for Ken when he hits mm-hmm. the plastic wave. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, the women are the ones who are running things and in control. And it is it's again that that flipping the script is already happening um, as we see it the movie open from the beginning. Um, so it's interesting to think about Ken really only kind of existing or mattering when he's uh, being looked at or noticed by Barbie. And so we even watch in the opening scenes the way he's trying to get Barbie's attention to matter um, in some way because the Barbies are the ones who are running the world. So it's just a fascinating thing to think about. Totally. What I honestly, okay, so let me just start off by saying I've seen this movie twice. Mm -hmm. When I first walked into the movie opening weekend, I realized later that not a lot had come out about what the movie was actually about. Yes. So I was completely expecting a fluffy, light, romantic comedy. Yes. So I'm sitting in my seat and all of a sudden we see what it turns out to be an exact mirror of, uh, what what is it, 2001 Space Odyssey? Yes. (laughs) Opening the movie. And I'm like... What is going on here? What is going to happen? So my entire experience of my first watch of the movie was, what is going on here? Yes. (laughs) And watching... realizing kind of partway through the movie how much Greta Gerwig was playing and really paying homage to Hollywood and yes. to what has happened in movie history. Yes. So I wonder if before we start the social kind of commentary that might be happening here, it would be fun to just kind of pull out some of those cultural things of how she is honoring yes. what's happened in movie history. So yes. Parker, you, this is your area. Yes. Go for it. <laughs> well, you brought up 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah. It's funny. I, I saw a video on, on social media where they're literally playing the beginnings of both yes. of those films side by side and it is almost shot for shot um, if you have seen 2001 a space odyssey you're there but even if you haven't seen the film the barbie movie's funny it's abstract it's yes. weird you're like what am i in for <laughs> yes. and it's this hilarious setup for what is just a roller coaster of a film yeah. but i was looking online this morning and before the movie even was released, Greta Gerwig released an official list of 33 films, movies that that influenced Barbie. Yeah. They span Hollywood history. Yeah. Some of them go back to the 1930s, all the way up to the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s as well. One of the biggest ones is The Wizard of Oz, um, yes. which is absolutely fascinating and there is one scene particularly when barbie is driving in her car she's waving her hands her hands aren't even on the wheel and she passes a movie theater the yellow brick road um, in oz the emerald city um, is in the back of the screen kind of of painted and you can see judy garland's headshot as as barbie passes so even in the the visuals of the movie there is an homage to the wizard of oz but as i started to think a little bit more about those two films i i noticed that there is there are some thematic parallels as well Mm. greta gerwig was inspired by the sound stages and the painted skies um, that they practically used when they filmed the wizard of oz she quoted uh, her love for the 
authentically artificial yes. backdrops, yes. which is all throughout the movie. These pink sets, painted skylines. And for a movie made in 2023, actually is, is cool it that is she's really trying cool. to go yeah. back to that. Didn't um, they like run out of pink? Yes. There uh, was, did they really? <laughs> yeah. There was an international pink paint shortage. That's fascinating. Back in 2019, because she was painting all of these sets and all of the the... What are her houses? The dream houses. The dream house, yeah. <laughs> um, but not only are there these visual similarities, but there are also thematic similarities between The Wizard of Oz and, mm. and the Barbie movie. Mm. We both have a female protagonist that mm. goes on a quest in a strange and magical land. But what I thought is interesting, in, in The Wizard of Oz, we have Dorothy in Kansas goes to this magical, kind of ethereal uh, Oz, Oz land full of, of strange things that are, that are unnatural. And that's where we find these painted stages and sets but in the barbie movie it's flipped yeah. we start in barbie land with the the kind of magic weird painted sets and all of that and then the protagonist barbie moves to the real world and that's the land that that's is strange yeah. and foreign um, which is fascinating and it makes you wonder if the scarecrow or if the tin man from oz went to kansas um, would they think the same thing about kansas Furthermore, towards the end of both The Wizard of Oz and the Barbie movie, both uh, protagonists in, in The Strange Land are ultimately disappointed by what they find. Mm. Dorothy uh, is, is disappointed by by the wizard and, and behind... Uh, the, she's disappointed by the man behind the curtain and, and Barbie is disappointed by, by what she finds in the real world as well. And at the end of the film, both of the female protagonists discover that they were in control of their narrative the whole time. Dorothy mm. threw her her ruby slippers and Barbie uh, towards the end of the film realizes that she um, is in charge of her own decisions too, which is a really interesting message. The last thing I wanted to mention is that both are socio-political commentaries. That's right, yeah. Um, which is really interesting to think about. I don't mm -hmm. think uh, a lot of us know that about The Wizard of Oz just right. because we're so far removed from that time period. Um, but both are are poking us at, at difficult conversations in order to yeah. think about our society in new and creative ways. So I think that's one of the biggest homages that Gerwig uh, is inspired by in the film. But she also cites her favorite movie, Singing in the Rain, yes. <laughs> uh, which features a, a really fun dream ballet, which is very similar visually to the I'm Just Ken sequence Absolutely. at the yeah. end, um, which I didn't even realize that until I I rewatched the Dream Ballet yeah. on YouTube and I was like, they're kind of the same thing, which is I, super fun. I grew up with like Technicolor musicals from yes. the 60s, 50s. And so when I saw that, I was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing yes. <laughs> because it's usually this strange avant-garde dream thing that happens in the middle of a movie that doesn't quite match the rest. Yes. Um, but it does if you think about the themes and so forth. So I was, <laughs> I was like, that's, that's one of the most moments in my first watching where I realized, oh, she's doing so much here. There's so much going on. I can't wait to read about it. Yes. And then watch it with a different, not expecting that it be a fluffy romantic comedy. Yes. And I'm sure I'll see more than I'm seeing now. Yes. I think it's interesting because on my first watch, I feel like I didn't get any of these references. Yeah. I also don't know a lot about film history. And I think a lot of people were in a similar boat where they were like, I'm confused. Like, there's yes. so many things going on. And all of us in here have seen Barbie twice. Yes. So if you've seen Barbie once, I recommend you go back and see it again. And because I think similar to, like, the first time you hear an album or a song, the first time you hear it, yeah. you're just kind of trying to process the new information. And the mm -hmm. second time, you can really sit and observe and analyze it in a different way. So I encourage you, if you've seen it and you're like, what? 
was that? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, am I not smart enough to understand this? It's okay. I remember being very confused afterward because Parker always asks me right after we see a movie. We're like, the credits are showing. He's like, what do you think? I'm like, okay. (laughs) I'm confused. (laughs) I'm always like, I need a minute. And right after I was like, I feel kind of disappointed. I don't know. Like, yes, that was, I also didn't know what to expect because it wasn't, the trailer seemed very fun. Totally. And then it was like, oh my gosh. And I remember seeing TikToks. People are like, I'm crying. And I was like, what? Like, I'm so confused. <laughs> and then the montage at the end, I'm like, I'm, I'm crying too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely recommend you going back and giving Barbie a chance. It might also be worth reading a few things like that. I think Variety had the top 33 films that she yes. referenced. And there are a few, just read a few things about it yes. from what people are saying. Totally. Because then I did that partly because I was like, I have to understand what's going on here. Yeah. And then in my second watch, I could understand and appreciate more what she was doing for more than um, what was face value. At the same time, though, I think she does make it accessible. You she don't does. have to have all of this mm. film knowledge. Mm history Mm -hmm. knowledge to be able to appreciate the movie but i think that understanding even by reading an article understanding some of those references she's making to the wizard of oz or 2001 a space odyssey or singing in the rain or oklahoma what have you by understanding all of those you're able to understand her thesis in the movie understand what she's doing in the movie Mm -hmm. to a deeper level but i do appreciate the accessibility yeah if you are coming in for the first time if you know going to the movies isn't your thing it is still a a joyful watch it is yeah not having that knowledge too which i appreciate i have a question i'm not trying to word it but why do you think she like chose to include all of these like abstract i'm doing air quotes like references um especially with the audience maybe being a lot of like gen z and millennial who might not understand like these references like why do you think she included those gosh that's a good question and i could only be guessing at what she was thinking totally it makes me think of um in terms of maybe now we turn a little bit more to the social commentary of it um she was she is really taking these themes of feminism and patriarchy making them abstract and pushing them to their kind of logical ends. And so I wonder if there's something in that, in playing with those themes, she's also playing with what's happened throughout movie history. Yes. Or, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so, yeah, Parker, what do you think? Another theme of the movie, throughout the movie, she plays with the history of Barbie as yes. well. And so I think that the two are connected. They are. She acknowledges the 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 good the bad the weird the weird of barbie history too. <laughs> the little dog that poops <laughs> yes my little sister had that dog yes. i remember it um the one that has a screen in it yes. so she is not that only so funny. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. you want a tv in your back yeah <laughs> so not only with with barbie but also with film history yeah she is taking a, a wide uh, sort of gander yeah for for the good the bad the ugly yes how we've progressed yeah those those spots that we can kind of look back and laugh at so yeah. what was going on with like sugar that daddy choice. barbie yeah so many <laughs> that one was good yeah weird weird things and i think that that some of the the nods to film history are connected to that as well but again it's a guess it's hard yeah. to say for sure before we move forward with more social commentary which thank you for answering my question because honestly i didn't know the answer i was i really was asking we're all kind of guessing yeah totally Parker, can you talk a little bit about the Genesis narrative that you observed throughout the movie, you and many others, Mm. not just something that you discovered? (laughs) I would love to. Uh, One of my passions, my interests is 
thinking through the idea of common grace in film, the idea that even though people that create art in the world, whether it be movies or, or visual art or, or theater, what have you, even though they might not be Christians, God uses these these things that people create to point us to higher ideals of truth, beauty, goodness, pointing us back to him, even if these people are not following Jesus. I don't know what Greta Gerwig's faith life looks like, um, but regardless, there are some really interesting parallels to the Genesis narrative um, that we see in scripture. So, she actually acknowledges this herself. This is not me pulling stuff out of thin air. Yeah. In an interview with AP News, Greta Gerwig cited her Catholic upbringing as an influence in the movie. The film Lady Bird, which is one of my favorite movies, is semi-autobiographical and details um, the character of, of Christine Ladybird, her upbringing in Catholic school and thinking about what Greta Gerwig might have experienced going through Catholic school and being raised in the Catholic faith. I think this gives us some grounding uh, to be able to establish some parallels to the Genesis narrative. So Greta Gerwig in this interview spoke of Barbie and Ken almost like Adam and Eve, but here the the roles are reversed. Barbie is created almost in the role of Adam. Barbie is created first, going back to that idea of 2001, a space odyssey. Just at the beginning of time, Barbie is there. She just is. Um, and then Ken is created as almost the gender complement to Barbie. Um, I also want to just put a preface out and make a distinction between scripture, what mm -hmm. we know and understand in scripture, and then Greta Gerwig or culture's interpretation yeah. of scripture too. Mm -hmm. um, but under Greta Gerwig's understanding of her of her commentary on, on, on Genesis, she's kind of playing with this idea of Barbie as Adam and Ken as the secondary kind of gender complement mm -hmm. to the Barbie figure of Adam. But it doesn't stop here. Even thinking about Barbie land. We open, everything's perfect. She wakes up, has uh, the best day ever every single day. Both the Barbies and the, and the Kens seemingly live in perfection. There is no pain in Barbie land. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, there's also no aging in yeah. Barbie land. Yeah. They've been there for as long as they can remember. Without cellulite. Without cellulite. They... <laughs> They expect to also live there forever. Um, there is just this existence of bliss. They party every night. Everything is is great. But in the first act of the movie, Barbie loses this kind of blissful innocence, which is kind of also portrayed as ignorance, which is really interesting, mm -hmm. thinking about the ways that, that some people may interpret the Genesis narrative. And then as a result of these thoughts of death, mm -hmm. she ages. Mm -hmm. And she is pushed out of Barbie land. So we kind of see this interesting play um, in Genesis, uh, parallel to Genesis 2 and 3. There's a film critic. Uh, she's a Christian. Her name is Elisa Wilkinson. She wrote a review published in Vox titled, In the Beginning There Was Barbie, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. Yeah. But she noted that the first thing that Barbie and Ken notice when they enter the real world is that they are being looked at and not in a good way. That's right, yeah. Barbie has this funny line where she says, like, I think I'm conscious, but of myself. Yeah. It's super funny. It's like, welcome to being a woman, Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's this parallel 
to Adam and Eve feeling naked and ashamed. Yes. She, for the first time, is conscious of her body. She's yeah. catcalled. Yeah. She is not feeling good about herself or yeah. the way she looks. And there's this interesting parallel to the shame that Adam and Eve mm-hmm. experience in the garden. So I think all of that is is very fascinating and intentional. Mm-hmm. Greta Gerwig uh, noted that that we all know this story. This is a very old story that she's toying with. The second thing I'll mention that, that gets at some some Christian theme is the role of Ruth Handler, who is the creator of Barbie in the movie. Mm-hmm. In two separate scenes, it's very interesting. Barbie reaches out for Ruth's hand. That happens once in the Mattel um, headquarters, and then that happens once towards the end of the movie. But both times when Barbie reaches out for her creator's hands, visually, this mimics God and Adam's hands and Michelangelo's piece, The Creation of Adam Mm -hmm. and the Sistine Chapel. Mm -hmm. And even when you start to think more abstractly about Ruth Handler's role in the movie, in both of the scenes that she's in, she is portrayed as good Mm -hmm. without fault. Mm -hmm. She isn't portrayed to be you know very very checkered she doesn't really have any vices she's portrayed as this very wholesome maternal figure that is just kind of there to lift your spirits Mm -hmm. and um, tell you a piece of of wisdom or truth Um, and in doing so we we kind of see barbie or as she's being portrayed as as kind of a type of Adam, Mm. we see her reaching out to her creator um, in a very fascinating way. So those are kind of the two main pieces I picked up on. But Greta Gerwig is kind of playing with this idea of creation, of fall, of perfection. Mm-hmm. I read an article somewhere that that was that the title said something along the lines of Barbie and Ken go east of Eden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's this super funny uh thing that she's kind of playing with, which I think as Christians, um we know, we understand, we we are used to the story. I'm not trying to say that through the Barbie movie now we understand something totally. new about yeah. the Genesis narrative that totally. we didn't know, but we might think about the ways that she is toying with types Mm -hmm. or or with examples that we know well from scripture so i want to make that distinction too but it's very interesting to think about um kind of kind of some of the themes the ideas she's playing with and how might understanding those things inform us more about the commentary that greta gerwig is is Mm -hmm. trying to to sell us in on so it's interesting because feminism i think throughout american history at least um has brought about some social good, certain streams of feminism. So, for example, in the 60s and 70s, the feminist movement was part of the reason why domestic abuse um, started to be highlighted and folks started educating themselves about what was happening in those dynamics. Feminism has also brought some negative narratives, again, pushed to their logical ends, one of which has been that women can have it all and can achieve this perfect life of you know, uh, vocational, like career oriented, family oriented. Um, and then with that, though, has to always look perfect or be perfect in a variety of ways. So I appreciate her playing with what um, maybe the way we would term it is what sinfulness does mm-hmm. um, uh, in, in the movie in that sense and saying, actually, maybe this particular piece of feminism has uh, caused a little bit of damage and yes. is not reflective of real life. So. Yeah, her fall from from perfection yes. is very interesting. Yeah. And it's interesting to think through perfection in the Garden of Eden yeah. that Adam and Eve experienced and perfection in Barbie Land. Yeah. 
I don't think they're the same. They're not. They're, 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 they're not, not the same, the same perfection. No. Um, so it's interesting thinking about Adam and Eve, their fall mm -hmm. from the garden and Barbie's fall mm -hmm. from quote unquote perfection mm -hmm. in Barbie land. Mm -hmm. Um, because was Barbie ever living? Was Barbie ever living in true perfection? I think the answer is no. When we're brought into Barbie land for the first time, I think that there's things that we can pick up on as the audience that we know, ooh, this doesn't Not quite feel right. right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think this is good. But still, in all of that, we see a similar pattern yeah. uh, that Greta Gerwig is imitating yeah. from the Genesis narrative. It's also interesting that Barbie land... Like when you think about it as an Eden, it was all like fake and plastic and artificial. But then when we think about Eden, we think of it as like a perfect place that Absolutely. we that would be like the most real. So it, interestingly in that the most real, I love that. Like the I can imagine the lushness and the beauty and, you know, the taste of the fruits and the vegetables, but also the relational perfection that was in Eden that we don't see in Barbie land yes. um, because of the way the the script has been flipped about you know, patriarchy and feminism and women running the world. There's kind of this, everything is not as it seems. Kind yes. Of trope. Yeah. In Eden, it what was, was it, what was. It, yeah, like it, yeah. it, there was no hidden layer. Yeah. There was no yeah. deceit mm -hmm. present in Eden. But in Barbie land, although the Barbies and the Kens believe they're living in perfection, they're not. They're actually. not. Yeah. There was um, something underneath that was kind of devious yes mm. yes so we're we're cued into that as an audience and i think the relational uh piece is is kind of the key to that mm. that they're not relating to each other mm -hmm. in a way that that cultivates human flourishing for both barbie and for ken and in eden there was and mm -hmm. so i think that's the piece that's really important mm -hmm. understanding that yes the two are not the same and i think the the idea of barbie land being artificial is kind of a, a visual cue yes. to that as yeah. well everything's kind of plastic and fake they're and... not moving freely even they're moving as little dolls and exactly they don't walk down the stairs barbie kind of floats down into her little barbie car <laughs> right right so there um you you know, earlier talking about feminism and the kind of the positives and negatives and what's come of it for women, there are points of the movie that completely mirror my experience as a woman, as, um, as a female, even in leadership uh, in certain circles. Have you ever had a man serenade you with a guitar? No, I haven't. But you know what? Even at my Christian college in the late 90s, that was like the ideal. If you could get to that point, <laughs> that was it's like, it's like the base. most romantic thing Yeah, <laughs> that could happen. <laughs> I know so many girls that have experienced that. And when I saw it, I thought I was dying laughing. Yeah. So if you haven't seen the movie, there's a scene where all of the Kens are playing guitar like for their respective Barbies. And it's just funny. So much of the movie plays off of like the female experience. Yeah. Which is why I think for some people, if that wasn't their experience, they're just kind of like, okay, like yeah. that was dumb. Like, mm -hmm. what did I just watch? But like that and... I'm trying to think of other things. So there are certain parts that absolutely mirror my experience. And um, one of the one of the lines in the movie, I think it was towards the end of one of the Barbies standing up and having this realization of this, whatever's happening here is making me emotional. And I'm expressing it. And she says, I have no difficulty holding both logic and emotion at the same time. And it does not diminish my powers. Yes. And I completely resonated with that because as a female in leadership, there are times and as somebody who in the strengths quest, one of my top five strengths is empathy. There are times where I have been subtly kind of critiqued for being too empathetic, mm. read too emotional. And 
in, I would say probably a decade ago, I would have thought, yeah, I've got to hide that part of myself. It's not helpful in these logical conversations that we need to have in leadership. But what I've learned is that it's a strength for a reason, and it's been identified by <laughs> those researchers as a strength for a reason, and that my empathy as a leader is actually really powerful. Um, and it's something that I can draw on uh, in conversation and as we're making decisions, and it does not diminish my logic yes, in girl. any way, shape, or form. Um, I, I think I'm actually one of the more data-driven people in kind of the area that I work with. Um, and so that is something that I have heard even as recently as this past year of that kind of subtle critique of being maybe too empathetic or too emotional. And I think 10 years ago, that would have kind of undercut my confidence. Mm. And today, no, that's actually a really powerful part of what I bring as a leader. Um, and I don't want to diminish that. And so I, I just appreciated that line. It was really helpful for me to hear somebody I hear loved that. It. Yeah. When she was <laughs> in the good. Supreme Court. Yes. <laughs> I was dying yeah. when she said that. There are parts of um, the movie that absolutely mirrored my experience. And then there are parts, as I think about kind of a biblical vision of flourishing that I found disappointing, but that are really actually reflective of where we're still at. So I think in the end of the movie, as the uh, as Barbie Land has kind of backed off of patriarchy, as the Kens have, um, maybe as the Barbies really have reclaimed their place in positions of leadership in Barbie world, there was another line where I think it was the president um, was talking to one of the Kens, President Barbie and one of the Ken Barbie, Ken and one of the Ken dolls. <laughs> And Ken says, maybe I can be on the Supreme Court one day as a male. And President Barbie says, uh, that's going a little too far. Yeah. And first of all, how that does actually mirror some female experience in leadership and also how sad that is. Yes. Because I do see the biblical account of flourishing, of human flourishing as interdependence. And at the end of this, at the end of this whole journey through Barbie land, Barbie world is really still the same. There is still one group in power, who, whoever that is, one group who's not in power, and there isn't the interdependence and the appreciation of what the other brings um, in terms of running things and creating a flourishing society for everyone. So I found I left the movie disappointed in that way, and also that's still reflective of what's happening. I felt the same as well. Mm. I wanted her to, or I, I, part of me wanted Greta Gerwig to, yes, you know, make everything perfect. Exactly. Now they live in interdependence. Yes. And one isn't valued over the other, but yes. exactly like you said, that's not reflective of the world we live in. Yeah. We talked a little bit about the Genesis narrative. I yeah. think the reality of the, the last act of the movie points us to what we're hoping for, not mm -hmm. only in Barbie land, but also in the real world as mm -hmm. well. A world where both males and females, men and women can flourish to their fullest capacity mm -hmm. together without one gender being uh, preferred over the other in, in leadership, in, in, you know, family circles, what have you. I think it points us to um, what we hope and long for, whether we be Christians or, or non-Christians in society as well. And that also um, points to the reality of, of the of Barbie land still having a long way to go as well. Yeah. But progress is being made yeah. slowly, surely. Mm -hmm. That's not how things work. Everything isn't fixed perfectly. Yeah. yeah. At the, the kingdom end. has not yet arrived. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. already not yet. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think the movie is very reflective of like where we're at in society, where we've identified like, okay, men have been in power for most of history in most places. And maybe that isn't the only way to do something. But even as we are trying to leaning towards equality and having men and women in these places, it's still imperfect. Mm -hmm. And because of the fall, I think someone will always be in power. Mm -hmm. Like, and that is yeah. one way that 
that's just one way we experience the fall every day. Mm -hmm. And because Eden would be like perfect interdependence between each other, it's like not surprising that this is an issue. But I think for people that aren't Christian, it's very frustrating because it's like, why can't we like solve this? Why can't we just put women on the Supreme Court and everything's okay? Mm -hmm. Like it's going to, that doesn't mean that we can't make progress and we still should, but it's interesting that we have more of an understanding of like, this is a result of sin Mm -hmm. and this isn't something that we can fix at a large scale. But like the hopelessness that comes from not having that like future of like, oh, but there will be a place someday where we will live together Mm -hmm. in that way. Yeah. There's another contrast that I really appreciated that Gerwig brought out in the film as we think about the perfection of what Barbie world was and then what kind of the fall looks like when they arrive in Venice Beach um, (laughs) and being noticed. Um, it also being set in Venice Beach is so. Yes. I know <laughs> it really was great Venice introduction Beach. to the world. Yes. <laughs> Talk about East of Eden. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and it was really, honestly, Barbie Land was set up to look beautiful, but the most beautiful parts of the movie were actually these moments of kind of real life meaning making that she was showing through the montages of home videos and the moment where she's sitting on a bench and looks over at this older woman who clearly. Um, is mature and wise and says, you're beautiful. And the woman says, I know. There are moments like that. I think those are the emotional moments of in the midst of perfection and showing the problems. There's these like warm moments of connection and beauty in the midst of the fallenness of the world where it is about relational connection and it is about recognizing the beauty in another regardless of how they look or what kind of perfection, quote unquote, they bring. And so I just... I loved that. I loved that she did that. Weren't you saying that they were like going to cut that part of the movie? Was that you? That was me, yes. Okay. So I saw a, a clip from her and some studio executives wanted her to cut that scene. They said it doesn't lead anywhere. Like we never see that woman again later in the film. Like what are you doing? It doesn't tie up in a pretty bow. And Greta Gerwig said if you cut this scene from the movie, I don't know what the movie is about. Yes. Which I think is the heart of the movie. Yes. And I think that's so powerful. So if we're watching the movie and we're not cueing into those um, little moments of connection between characters, whether it be Mm -hmm. Barbie and the old woman Mm -hmm. or Barbie and her creator, Mm -hmm. Ruth Handler, Mm -hmm. or the Barbies and the Kens, I think we're missing the core, the heart of the film. So our conversation's coming to a close, guys. It's been so fun. But I have one more question for you. As we um, move forward and as we see many more movies, I am curious what your guys' advice is to our Christian audience of how can Christians meaningfully engage with um, culture, whether that's a song, a movie, a piece of art, all these different things made by people who aren't Christian or maybe are Christian but are expressing it in a way that maybe we don't think is precisely true. Mm. But how can we... Look at these things not in a black and white, completely opt in, completely opt out, but how can we kind of stand in that gray area, which I think a lot of Christians have trouble with? Mm -hmm. How can we do that and still be honoring God and also see the common grace that God has given us in these cultural pieces? Yeah, I think that it comes down to a robust definition and understanding of common grace. Mm. I think we have to understand that even people that, you know, don't profess Christ can create things that point us to truth, beauty, goodness, justice, equality, what have you. 
um, in meaningful ways. This might not be the full picture. Of course, we believe that as as Christians, we um, we find all of these things, truth, beauty, goodness, most fully expressed in the life of Christ and in scripture. But I do think we get glimpses of it in other areas um, as as God guides and imparts these things onto all people, right? Like if if common grace doesn't exist, what do we do with with artists, writers that have created beautiful pieces um, throughout history? So I think that first we have to have a robust understanding of what common grace is. Um, and secondly, we have to have a very careful understanding of the relationship between Christ and culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of times in Christian spaces, we can pit the two so far against each other that we're not willing to think about ideas like common grace or or what the Barbie movie might be saying that that is worthwhile to to think about to chew on maybe to accept some and 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 discard what's left. Um, but I think that sometimes we view Christ and culture so far apart that we're not willing to to do the work of critical thinking mm-hmm. in a way that's meaningful or we we perhaps view Christ so far above culture that watching this movie isn't even worth our our time or our our $15 to to go to the movies. So I think that we need to have an understanding of common grace and the relationship between Christ and culture um, that is that is nuanced. And of course, we're not going to do this um, perfectly. Mm-hmm. So I think that this happens well in community yes. through conversations, yeah. talking to one another. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Mm-hmm. This is what I got. How might we think about this in a way that's constructive and helpful? How do we think Christianly, mm-hmm. which we talk about a lot here? I think all of that is really important, not only when it comes to the Barbie movie, but any media we might taken from from culture and media that's created by christians too totally there was probably a few christians that helped with the barbie movie mm-hmm. yes yes believe it or not it seems like clear examples even of um applying this your perspective and this lens of common grace to conversations really can be exemplified even in these terms that we started our podcast with which is how do we uh, feminism and patriarchy and the emotional reaction we can have to these words and the um the baggage they carry and how they might even mean something different to different people, depending on your upbringing and your social location and um, the generation. generation. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, we need, yeah, Yeah, generation for sure. Uh, And so thinking, uh, I think part of common grace is being able to kind of to step back from that and saying, well, what do you mean by feminism? Let's take a look at the history of what this has meant and seeing ways where actually I think the spirit of God was doing something really good in the 60s and 70s when domestic abuse became uh, something that was more talked about and recognized. And um, there were people who needed to be protected, children who needed to be protected in these situations in this thing that had never been talked about before. And then also feminism has brought things that have been a little bit destructive for women. And we want to talk about that um, as well. So there are, to your point, Parker, in everything that's happening around us in culture, looking for where the spirit of God might be moving and looking for places that we can say, I don't agree with this. I think there's something destructive there, but here there is some flourishing being brought about just by the Lord 
being present in society through the believer um, and the, the spirit being unleashed into the world as God's kingdom is kind of being brought onto earth already and not yet. So there's, yeah, this kind of conversation I think is really helpful where we're not polarized to one side or the other, but willing to listen and ask questions and pick apart things that we might have trouble poking into a little bit sometimes. And finally, I think it, it comes down to, like I said earlier, community as yes. well. We've been touching on relational flourishing and relational yes. proximity in the Barbie mm -hmm. movie. And I think having conversations like this one yes. that include both women and men mm -hmm. picking apart, you know, a piece of media mm -hmm. or a cultural topic uh, is, is super important. And I think that when we include each other, diverse perspectives, yeah. both men and women, we, we arrive together at hopefully a better understanding mm -hmm. Than if we just tried to figure it out on our own to figure it out on yeah. our own exactly yeah totally i appreciate you guys coming today thanks for joining me in the stude thanks for having us jenna thank you this was so fun so fun yeah. go watch the barbie movie guys yay see what you think okay bye thank you for listening to this week's episode of did i talk too much if you enjoyed this week's episode we would love to hear from you you can leave a rating and a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. To make sure you don't miss an episode every other week, be sure to subscribe. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram as well to get the latest updates on upcoming events, new blogs, and question boxes where you have the chance to have your questions answered on the podcast. Our Instagram is at grit at Biola. Our blog is linked in our Instagram bio where you can hear from our staff writers and read more about our mission. Thanks again for tuning in. The views expressed in this podcast may not necessarily represent the beliefs of Biola University or the GRIT Editorial Board. All content is designed to inspire and challenge GRIT listeners to explore their gifting, foster resilience, gain insight, and develop tenacity.